0: Hello friends, welcome to Concern of the Times with Howard Green. These episodes are for everyone, Christians and non-Christians, for people like you who are watching global events unfold and asking, what on earth is happening? Thankfully the Bible has answers, and we'll discuss end time Bible prophecy and how current events indicate the close of the age and return of Jesus. We'll also talk about economic collapse and the coming global currency and the growing violence and social unrest we're seeing. And we'll look at Aberrant Christianity and its leaders who promote movements like the Emerging Church and Prosperity Gospel, Purpose Driven and Chris others that focus on man and not the gospel. We'll look at the deceptive influx of worship, tame, into the church by groups like Hillsong, Elevation, Bethel, and Jesus Culture. And we'll cover topics including the rapture, tribulation, and coming one world government, religion, growing apostasy, and spiritual deception. And look at the lives of great Christians like Chambers, Tozer, Ten Boom, Dave Hunt, and many others. And what happens after you die? And why is Christianity different from all other religions? And who is Jesus? And is he really the only way to God? And how to evangelize? And how to discern and resist spiritual deception? And more. So join me for each episode of Concern of the Times for Bible teaching, encouragement, and practical discussions about what really matters as we approach the return of Jesus. Hello, friends. Welcome to Concern of the Times. I'm Howard Green. I've been wanting to do a video cast and a podcast on this subject for quite some time. And it's a subject that I think is very relevant and it's uh, incredibly timely. And it's based off an article that I just wrote recently a few weeks ago. And the title is this, Why Preachers Fail to Warn. Simply, you could say pastors, teachers, evangelists, ministers of any kind, missionaries, uh, uh, Bible teachers, um, anyone that preaches the word of God. Um, so the question to us is why preachers fail to warn. It's a very timely subject because we're living in a day when a lot of the preaching that we see out there and hear out there is, uh, what I would call tepid at best. Uh, very positive, uh, very friendly, which a preaching should be friendly. Uh, but um heavy, heavy on the, the the fluff end and heavy on the make you feel good about yourself end and uh sort of patting ourselves on the back end, a very seeker-friendly preaching. That's what many of our churches are filled with today. And that's not just churches, it's Christian teaching on the internet, on the radio, TV, podcast, uh video like we're doing today. Um it's everywhere. It's a it's a seeker-friendly, seeker-sensitive uh me centered uh preaching of the gospel if that's what we want to call it i mean it's just it's amazing to me that with all of the things that are happening in this world with the way the world is literally starting to fold in on itself under the weight of the um of depravity and sin and uh everything that's going on geopolitically uh economically and and personally uh It's amazing that we have to have this discussion, and any preacher of the gospel should see it is not time uh, to mess around with the gospel. You keep the message the way it's been for 2,000 years, uh, pure and simple. Uh, Preach it with with love, and preach it with uh, conviction and with a boldness. So, let's go ahead and get started and and seek to answer the question, why preachers failed to warn. Let me ask you this to get started suppose you went to the doctor you got your annual physical and uh went through the entire physical and uh your doctor saw something uh that concerned him or her and uh maybe charted it wrote it down um something that could potentially be very serious or life-threatening if not taken care of um but the doctor didn't want to scare you or alarm you uh, frighten you the doctor wanted to um you know, keep the peace in the room and, and just, just have everything be sort of status quo and have a great visit and keep it all positive. And that doctor didn't tell you a thing. As a matter of fact, that doctor didn't even send you in for further testing with, say, an x-ray or MRI. Just sort of let it go. And then six months later, you develop uh, symptoms. And then you come to find out uh, through another exam by another physician that indeed you have something that could be um Life threatening. How would you feel about the doctor that failed to withhold the information from you? Well, you'd, you'd be angry. I mean, listen, it's malpractice, right? That's definitely malpractice. Um, or how about this? Let's say, somehow, some way, you could go back in time to uh, the day before um, the Titanic left Southampton, and you knew what would happen. A few days later, I think it's about four days later, you knew that that ship would be at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean with all of those people on it, <clears throat> and you had the chance to warn them. Or let's say it's September 10th, 2001, and you're in New York City or in Washington, D.C. or or um, one of those areas, and you knew what was going to happen the next day. Uh somehow, some way, you receive some kind of tip or some kind of warning that those planes would fly into those buildings, Pentagon, the World Trade Center, or into the ground at Shanksville. and you could warn people. you could go to the FBI, you could go to the police, you could stand in front of the airport, you could warn those people. But you didn't do it. you You said no. Or it's uh, December twenty sixth, two thousand four, and you're in uh, you're in uh, Bondiacha, Indonesia, Sumatra area, and you know the tsunami is going to hit uh, in a few hours. You knew it, and you make your way to high ground, but you don't tell anybody. Can you imagine having that kind of information? And not telling the people about the ship sinking, the the Titanic. Standing in front of the gangplank and saying, no way. Uh, Or being September 10th, you know what's going to happen the next morning and not telling anyone. Or being on the beach in uh, Sumatra, Indonesia, and, and doing everything you can to warn authorities about what's coming the next day. Or that morning. It would be cruel beyond measure. I mean, cruelty beyond cruelty. couldn't even imagine it, right? You would do, you and I, we would know it. We would do everything in our power to warn those people. Everything. You would risk and I would risk jail. We would risk our reputation. We might even risk our life, and I think we should. We would do everything we can to, to just beg those people. Make a fool of yourself. I mean, do what you have to do not to get on that boat, to get off that beach and to not go on those planes, get out of those buildings. You would do everything you can, right? Well, dear friends, what is the difference when ministers of the gospel, preachers, teachers, know, I mean, mean, in this book, it says in so many ways that judgment is coming. God's holy judgment is coming upon an unrepentant world. We don't warn them. We don't plead for their souls. We don't mourn them in tears. But we just go on our merry way, playing the game, going along like everything's going to be okay. And somehow maybe it'll all work out in the end. It would be unconscionable, right? But that is exactly what's going on. So many ministers, preachers, teachers, evangelists, Bible teachers, missionaries are going through the motions of a Christian vocation, like nothing's going to happen soon. Not like God's judgment is racing upon this wicked world. And like Jesus is coming back soon. Well, friends, he is. I want to read something to you. It's out of Ezekiel 3, and it's verse 18 through 20. Listen to what the Lord says. If I say to the wicked, you shall surely die, And you give him a warning, excuse me, you give him no warning, nor speak to warn the wicked from his wicked way in order to save his life, that wicked person shall die in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at your hand. So what God is saying is if you know the wicked are perishing, but you don't do anything, you don't warn them to return, to turn from their wicked way, you don't do anything like that. They're going to die in their wickedness, the Bible says. But God says, his blood, the wicked person's blood, I will require at your hand." But it continues. But if you warn the wicked and he does not return from his wickedness or from his wicked way, he shall die for his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. You see, friends, and by the way, that was um, just to reiterate, that was Ezekiel 3 verses 18 through 20. What the Lord is saying is as watchmen, as ministers, as shepherds, and as Christians, disciples of Christ, people that even the people go out there and witness. I mean, it's what every Christian should do, right? But especially because he's talking about the watchmen and the shepherds and the teachers and the preachers. If we understand what's coming and we don't warn the wicked, the Lord God require their blood at our hands. But if we warn the wicked and they still perish, we'll be okay. God said he will not require their blood at our hands, but we we'll have delivered our soul. The sad thing is either way, either way, the wicked, die, the wicked die in their iniquity. Either way, the wicked die in their iniquity. But shouldn't we warn them? I mean, that's what the Bible says. We're supposed to warn them. And I've said it many times and I'll say it again. It is a loving thing to warn people. I I would say warning someone with love in your heart for their soul and for the Lord Jesus in light of the Great Commission, lovingly warning somebody is probably the most Christ-like, if not one of the most Christ-like things that we can do. It shows a deep concern with what was important to Jesus. Remember, Jesus, as he was getting ready to leave and ascended to heaven, he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Not to be selective, go into all the world and preach the gospel. We preach the good news to everyone. But to preach the good news, they have to understand the bad news first. And the bad news is, is that God is a holy God and we're sinful people. And that's got to somehow be reconciled. And they can't do it on their own. Someone has to warn these people and i've seen it in church after church and ministry after ministry in individual preacher after preacher and it's this soft cell seeker sensitive approach to the gospel it's almost like god's going to say uh, to the sinner you know hey 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 jimmy have have another have another cookie have some candy it's a, it's okay and and wink at them like a like some kind of um uh tepid grandfather well friends that is not the holy god we serve he is going to require 100% of purity for heaven. And there's no way for a person to attain that. No one's kept the Ten Commandments. No one's completely pure. The only one who's done all of this in our place was Jesus. It's not enough. And I say this because I care with all humility. I care about fellow ministers, pastors, teachers, evangelists. It's not enough just to say, come to church and then they're in church, you know, get plugged in, get involved in a small group, get your kids involved in Sunday school or youth group. Um, you know, take a, take a vision trip, take a mission trip. Those things are great, but friends, those things are missing the point. That's after the fact that's part of the sanctification process. That's part of the discipleship process. What about the people who have just been welcomed into a fellowship but don't know the real situation they're in. Or worse, people out in the world that might hear these podcasts or videocasts or or messages on TV or or or, or church via via tele, um, uh, webcast, and they hear, you know, God's not angry with you. God's actually pretty happy with you. You're a pretty good person. Listen, we're all in this together. You're gonna make it. God's on your side. He loves you. Jesus loves you. Yes, Jesus does love them, but he loved them enough to die on the cross for their sin. And for their sin, they have to repent. So you can understand the situation when we're not warning people. We're allowing people to sleep. We're letting them think that their sin is okay. And it's not okay. Remember, uh, Christian brethren, uh, you know, um, James, I think it's James three one says that those of us who teach will be judged with greater strictness, greater strictness. And we have a incredible responsibility when we preach the gospel it has to be the whole truth and i'm afraid that a lot of preachers will teach the gospel but teach a watered down if there is such a thing and there's no true gospel that's watered down but a watered down version of the gospel essentially that jesus came along and you can live the blessed life and you can have your best life now and uh, you know you'll be the head not the tail, and you'll have your all your family will will be you, you know you you'll have financial freedom. Your your family will be in church together. You can have a place for the kids in church, and you can all get plugged in, and then just have this great American version of the Christian life, or great Western version of the Christian life if you're watching us from somewhere else besides the United States. And friends, that's a terrible message. I mean, the message is die to yourself, be crucified with Christ. Take up your cross. Count the cost. And no wonder so many people fall away. And no wonder so many people, when the time gets tough or, or the, the heat gets turned up, they, they bail because they're thinking, I didn't sign up for this. Nobody, I didn't read the fine print. Well, friend, it's in the Bible. There is no fine print. Jesus told us, in this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So dear friends, we have to preach the whole truth. What's the incentive to do anything other than that? Higher attendance, more numbers, more follows, more fans, more notoriety in our denominations, more notoriety among our peers? I, I don't know. But it seems to be that way looking at, at the situation in and, and many uh, evangelical churches today. Having said that, I'm under no illusion that that's everybody. I know that there are many faithful men of god out there preaching the whole truth the whole gospel and they're doing it because they love the lord with all their heart and they love souls i mean i just read a book recently by um leonard ravenhill and he was talking about and and i'll think of the name of the book in just a second um oh it's called sodom had no bible anyway ravenhill and i read it a little clip from it yesterday he said something along the lines of and i'm paraphrasing we need to have broken men preaching with tears and being burdened for lost people going into eternity i mean that's that's the that's sort of the preaching in a nutshell you have to have a burden for people and a love for the Lord and understand what the end game is so along with the quotes, I do want to read you a few quotes from uh uh one friend of mine, and then from a, a brother that, that's since passed on to be with the Lord. But but these are two great quotes. And um, this is really for everyone. This is not just for preachers. It's for um, uh, anyone that calls themselves a Christian. But especially um, if you're in this situation where you um, know you should witness for the Lord, know you should evangelize, but maybe you're thinking, well, you know, I'll just... Um, I'll just try to be a friend first and hope things work out. But friends, you're not guaranteed that that person's going to get to hear the gospel again. Matter of fact, you're not guaranteed that person's going to make it till tomorrow. And the reason I'm going to give you this quote is because there is a notion out there, and it's by a very popular uh, teacher, preacher in the evangelical world, and he couldn't be more wrong and unbiblical. But the notion is that you have to first earn the right to share the gospel. Don't warn people. You have to first earn the right to share the gospel. So my friend, evangelist Mark Cahill, responds like this to that notion of earning the right to share the gospel and warning people. He says, on my plane flight tomorrow, how am I supposed to earn the right to witness to that person? Am I supposed to pour his drinks for him? Then he says, I have the right commanded to me by Almighty God to witness to him or her. And you can be assured that I will pray for the opportunity and I will take advantage of the opportunity. And that's um, Mark Cahill of Mark Cahill Ministries. If we understand that we're commanded by a holy God uh, to be disciples and make disciples of all nations, you don't have to earn the right. Jesus already earned the right for you. But let's continue. And this is for everyone, but especially for my uh, fellow uh, preachers and teachers, evangelists, Here's what Leonard Ravenhill said. He said, Is soul hot preaching a lost art? Have we conceded to impatient snack bar sermons spiced with humor to edge jaded Christian spiritual appetites? Can you imagine? He says, Forget the soul hot preaching. Have we conceded to impatient snack bar sermons spiced with humor to edge jaded spiritual appetites? Essentially becoming an entertainer, someone to sit there on a little bistro table and tell a short story and make people feel good about themselves. Well, friends, that's that's, that's not the gospel. The gospel is, is very simple, and it's Jesus came to save sinners. That's why he came into the world, and he can save them. But we have to warn people. We have to warn people of why Jesus came into the world. He came on a rescue mission. Why does this matter? Well, it matters for a lot of reasons. Uh, thinking back at the uh, text from Ezekiel 3, uh, 18 through 20 that we read, but also think about this. Uh, the beam seat, the judgment seat of Christ. As a Christian, a believer, as a preacher, a teacher, we're all going to stand, uh, Paul says, before the judgment seat of Christ. And look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. And I'll read it to you quickly here. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one, each one of us, may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So, fellow preacher, warn people. Warn people. The Bible is replete with examples of warning people. Ezekiel is full of warnings for shepherds to warn people. Jeremiah is complete with examples of shepherds who don't warn, shepherds who say everything's going to be okay, uh, is not God pleased with us? Essentially telling people it's not going to be that bad. I, without mentioning the place or names, I sat in a very large church a number of years ago um, and heard a uh, young preacher um, give a message. And to paraphrase, the message was essentially like this. And this, I'm not exaggerating. It was essentially that God's plea was pleased with us. Uh, we're all pretty good people. He's, you know, he's, he's happy with you. Um, you're in, and uh, everything's going to be great. No repentance, no conviction, no sense of urgency, and no warning. Just you're going to be okay, and God's happy with you. Friends, that kind of teaching and preaching has no place in a Christian church or anywhere for that matter. It was heartbreaking to hear. Let it not be that way with us. Let's make it a point today. let's, Let's make it a point to get real with the Lord, dear brother, and say, Lord, if you have, you know, I failed in this area. I don't. Feel that deep conviction for lost souls like i used to when i first got saved or when i first finished bible college or seminary i um i the heat's kind of turned down i i see my my career is going forward i see my denomination likes what i'm doing i see the numbers are growing i say nice things to people and sensitive things to people and now we make everything all about having this great time and throw a little gospel a little little christ in there on it and some and some spiritually sounding christian uh um words and um, it's all good, but you know in your heart it's not good. You feel challenged each week to turn the corner and to do what the Lord would have you do—to preach the whole gospel, because you love Him and you love people. Why not start today? Why not start today? The Lord will help you, and the Lord will change that. He can—he can bring you back to where you once were, give you that fire that you once had, and you know what Joel—I'm sorry, uh, Jeremiah says about the fire and your bones. You can't contain it. And dear brethren, for you that have uh, been warning people and doing it out of love and and a sincere brokenness for for, for lost people, um, that's wonderful. And praise God for that. And we need more of that. So continue what you're doing. Um, It's important to stay the course. It's important to finish well and endure to the end. And as a preacher in doing that, that means... Not changing the message, not tweaking the message. We think we have a better idea now that we're living in a post-Christian, post-modern society. We're going to say things to make people like us more and to get all these people in a church and and do life together in a way that would make people in the world feel non-threatened. Well, dear friends, you know how it is. We cannot be like the world to reach the world. We have to be different. We have to be the way the Lord told us to be. We have to be a holy people. We're pilgrims and strangers and aliens in this world. Let, that, let them continue to see that in your preaching and teaching. And for all of us, uh, uh, disciples and and uh, other disciples and, and, and Christians that are out there that are maybe lay people or in the workforce or or, or kids in, in high school and in college, same with you. It's a loving thing to warn people. Warn your friends, your family, your your classmates, and Jesus is coming soon and, and ask them how they're going to deal with eternity. And ask them if they would die today, if they know they would go to heaven or not and have some conversations that are going to matter hundred years from now, it's a loving thing to warn people. And I would encourage each of you to do that. I want you to have a great week and uh, join us again soon for the next uh, video or podcast. And uh, glad we got to tackle this subject together. Uh, when preachers fail to warn, it's something I've wanted to do for a while. And I want to encourage you to go forward in this. Uh, two quick things, two books I want to recommend to you. Um, well, first of all, I've got my article. That was written a few weeks ago. It's called When Preachers Failed to Warn. And that's on uh, concerningthetimes.com. But also, I want to recommend the book that I took the quote from, from Mark Cahill. And that book is called One Thing You Can't Do in Heaven. And that's by Mark Cahill. And the other book that I quoted from, uh, a Leonard Ravenhill book, is called, uh, yes, Sodom Had No Bible. Both incredible reads. And both will bring you both conviction and a new uh, found um, sort of zeal and boldness to get out there and tell everyone that Jesus is coming soon and to get right with him. And in your preaching to come back to the pulpit, to wherever you preach, wherever your pulpit is, be it be out in the jungle or in a classroom or at a church or on, on a street corner, wherever your pulpit may be, to return with renewed zeal and boldness for Jesus because you love people. All right, friends? God bless you. Have a great week. Take care.